What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back in on the latest edition here of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. No, I do not want to talk about whatever that was from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday with the Carolina Panthers getting a, a 21-3 drubbing at the hands of Carolina with an interim coach. The good news for the Bucs is they're back on Thursday night football right away later on this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Not quite, I don't think, what Amazon Prime was looking for out of the Buccaneers to be limping in off back-to-back losses, but uh, we'll see how it goes uh, for Thursday night. In any event, to help me sort through all of this, keep me straight as always, he is the owner, the operator. You read him all the time. You hear him now on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Hello, Dr. John Lewis. Uh, Good to be with you for another week. Yep. Uh, well, uh, Brady, Rogers, and LeBron and the Yankees all lost on Sunday. So, <laughs> no, uh, there, that was, I guess, the sports equinox for haters, Man, right? It's true. It's true that all of that was stuffed into one bag uh, there on that. Lots to get to, including Jim Nance, a surprising situation with him uh, deciding that this will be his final year to call the lead games on CBS and the NCAA tournament. More on that in a moment. More on ratings, obviously, with the World Series. Everybody, of course, had the Phillies against the Astros when the playoffs began. That's going to be your World Series. We'll talk about that. We'll get John's rating prediction and much more. Reminder, however you found this podcast, thank you for doing so. Whether it's a social media link, John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Make sure you're following or subscribing. You get great content. Again, we're going a little bit out of order. Customarily, John and I are out on Wednesday. But today we are out on Tuesday of this week when the podcast releases. That is in part because George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast features Lisa Byington, the nationally known sports play-by-play broadcaster, really a trailblazer, uh, John, in the broadcast industry. She's the first female play-by-play broadcaster to get a full-time uh, deal with a team. She is the full-time broadcaster of the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, there have been full-time analysts like Sarah Kustak or uh, Doris Burke has been doing it, obviously, on national cable with ESPN as the analyst. 
Lisa Byington is George's guest. Her story, a former athlete, a former basketball player at Northwestern and other sports as well, and how she got into broadcasting and how she got into this gig. Lisa John is also part of the Turner coverage of the postseason and has done other assignments for college basketball, Big Ten Network, etc. I know I'm looking forward to hearing more about her story coming up on Wednesday on this podcast feed that they can get it. Lisa, clearly somebody that needs to be heard from on her ascension into this role and the start of another NBA season for her with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. And uh, of course, the mention of her role on CBS and Turner in the tournament is a great transition, a great segue into the big story of the week, which is that Jim Nance is stepping down from his position as the lead voice of the NCAA men's basketball tournament for CBS and Turner. And this will be his final year doing it. He'll wrap it up at uh, the Final Four in Houston. Obviously, we know all of his ties to Houston, so it's a bit serendipitous in that way. And then Ian Eagle will take over starting next year, the first time for Ian, uh, who had long been the uh, best play-by-play voice to never win a major, right? Like Phil Mickelson, you know? And uh, now he will get to be the lead voice of a marquee package of games, uh, and uh, he'll be calling championship games. It's... uh, a big milestone, you know, he's 53 years old. Uh, the reality of the matter is, and in, in play-by-play, that's basically 21. So he's just, <laughs> just now able to legally drink. But wow, uh, he'll, I mean, look, he'll get a solid if he keeps his health and, the, and CBS keeps the rights. He could have a solid 20 years doing that event. Even if he retires at the same age Nance is retiring now, he'll have a solid decade of calling the national championship. So, you know, uh, it's... Uh, uh, it, it, even though it seems like, wow, 53, it's a little bit late in the game, but in this industry, uh, right. it's never too late. You've articulated that many times. And as somebody that is just a year younger than I and Eagle at 52 years of age, I appreciate that you're looking at us as 21 year olds. Uh, that's a good thing. And I have known I and Eagle for 25 years, by the way, works very hard, started obviously in the New York market with WFAN, eventually worked his way up through radio doing the New York Jets. Uh, on on radio and then eventually got the CBS uh, opportunity to be part of their NFL and college basketball package and obviously also does the Brooklyn Nets, does Turner uh, for the NBA, uh, et cetera. His son, Noah Eagle. We now have known each other so long that I remember when Noah was born and his son is now doing NBA basketball for the LA Clippers as well as network TV for college football and basketball. So, again, that's a scary proposition uh, on that. Interesting, Jim Nance began doing the Final Four in 1991 in his 30s, in his early 30s. He's now 63 years of age. He has done it ever since. It is the longest run for any announcer or analyst continuously doing an event. hes It's fair to say he's synonymous. I mean, present day, 30 years in a row, 30-plus years in a row. It's fair to say he's been synonymous with the call of the Final Four. For the last four decades. Fair, right? Yeah. I mean, it's odd because, you know, Nance is he's a very interesting announcer. Uh, He's iconic, but he is not, you know, there's no Jim Nance call. There's no catchphrase. There's no really there's no call you can think of. Except the beginning of every hello, friend. Well, that's his. But that's not a call of the game. I know what you mean. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's no uh, famous call from his career. The most famous call from the Masters is from Vern Lundquist. Right. Both times, because the other one was the uh, the yes, sir, on on uh, on Jack Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Nance is uh, he's like Tim Duncan. 
You know, I mean, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. But, you know, that's not really fair to Duncan because I can think of quite a few iconic Tim Duncan moments. But, I mean, I'm not trying to disparage Yance at all. It's just very interesting. You know, he's he's very, he blends into, you sure. know, the background a bit. And so even though he's been doing it for 30 years, I don't really feel like he's an iconic NCAA tournament voice. You know, I mean, well, he certainly, he certainly even. has had moments. Uh, the winning shot by Chris Jenkins is the player's name from Villanova in yeah. Houston to win the national title. And part of this, John, is the symmetry of the NCAA tournament is back in Houston yep. for the final four in the championship game. And Jim is a University of Houston guy that was always yep. well known from back in the uh, in the early 1980s. So kind of if you're going to go out, this would be a, a nice way. Yeah. Does it surprise you a little bit that he's not continuing on when many others have into his late 60s doing this? Now, again, we should make clear he still has a multi-year deal left to continue to do uh, the right. NFL and be the lead announcer in the Super Bowl and the Masters and CBS's golf coverage uh, yeah. as well. Al although he'll have a new partner now with Nick Faldo having retired from the weekend and week out golf coverage on TV for CBS and the Golf Channel. But does it surprise you a little bit? Here that he elects to bow out of the NCAA tournament? Or what do you make of it? Well, I think a lot of people all over the world are coming to the realization that working yourself to death is not necessarily necessary all the time. And if you don't have to do all of the work, then you shouldn't. Doesn't mean that you retire. But you know, if you don't have to do the tournament and the NFL and the Masters, and you can spend a little bit of time with your kids, as Nance said he wanted to do. You know, you're 63 years old. 63 is young, but it's old enough where, you know, anything can happen, right? You know, and the reality is if you want to spend more time with your family, uh, do it. I mean, you're Good a millionaire. If yeah. He can retire altogether. He didn't have to do the NFL. And, you know, the reality of the matter is all this stuff is work. We've talked about this before. You know, I mean, if you're going to do it well, I mean, it's not coal mining, you know, okay. And the reality right. of the matter is that, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not like we're talking about, you know, something that is so incredibly difficult, but it is work. And uh, if you don't have to work because you've already accomplished everything you need to, to accomplish, you already live comfortably, you know, maybe all this uh, ambition all the way through to the end of your life is a little unnecessary. Now, of course, the other side of that is you retire and then what do you do with your life, you know? But I mean, Doc Emmerich's probably having a pretty good day today. You would think. Mm -hmm. Do I think? Do I think Doc Emmerich is sitting down on a couch, staring at the wall, going, "Why did I retire? I have nothing to do." I mean, no. I think I think he's probably enjoying his life. So you know, the reality is, you know, look, uh, if you can do less work, do it. Joe Buck did. You know, Joe Buck last year, all those years when he was doing the World Series and Thursday Night Football. And, you know, traveling ridiculously and he was going, oh, yeah, this is great. I love doing this. This is awesome. Well, then he comes back and in his very, in his very next contract, he's only doing one football game a week, period. And that's it. I don't think that's a coincidence. People can talk all they want about their ability to basically abuse themselves for their bosses. But I, I don't think anyone really wants to do that. And in fairness, it's the same thing with him because he's got a new wife. He's got young kids. Jim Nance, a new or newer wife with younger kids. It does make a difference. If you want to spend time with them, be part of their lives, do stuff with them. Um, I mean, let me just give you a quick uh, at the lower level. This is a, a great uh, what am I looking for? Parallel 
uh, on this. So I'm mentored, I'm going to mention him by name, under a sportscaster in Memphis, Tennessee named Glenn Carver. Glenn Carver, very well known in the Memphis market for radio, for TV, and had been the sports director at a couple of the stations. I interned with him at the ABC affiliate at that time, WHBQ, which later became the Fox affiliate, Channel 13 WHBQ. So Glenn put in some 30 years um, and recently, in the last four or five years, he realized I have been doing this for so long. I have already I, I have already lost opportunity with one child. I now have a son that I don't get to see his ball games. I don't get to be around any of the stuff he's doing. And this is just local sports casting and the job and the travel with that. Forget about national level, John, like you were referencing, traveling all over the country to do games where you're gone three, four, five days at a time, depending on uh, the assignment. Uh, and so what Glenn said is, uh, it is more important to me right now to be a dad and to be a husband. And so that's it. That's it in his, uh, his mid-50s. He said, that's it. I am going to figure out what's next in terms of employment and full-time employment, but I'm done on this contract and I'm going to spend time with my family. And it's refreshing to hear yeah. uh, some of those things. Now, again, we're talking about Nance and Buck being at the highest, highest level, multimillionaires, and you're in a position where you can make that decision right. because of how much money you've made, house, you're set financially, retirement set financially. That's that's the upper, upper echelon that can decide yeah. that. So it's just, it's interesting in that regard uh, because you, you've got others. You mentioned Hubie Brown on this podcast yeah. that is now what age? 87, uh, did you tell me? You told yeah, me 87. That's incredible. Yeah. Dick Vitale is 82 years of age, and the college basketball season is coming around with hopes that Dickie V can return from cancer treatment. Yeah, Hubie's 89, by the way. 89, that's yeah. incredible. Dick Vitale, I believe, will be 83 later in this college basketball yeah. season. Still doing it, still wanting to do it, still wanting to be part of it. So It's different for them, though. Yeah. It's totally different because they are ex-coaches who are so tied to the game. I truly believe that Dick Vitale might not even be alive right now if he had not had basketball as a part of his life. Like, he needs it. We all know Dick Vitale has to be there. When he came back last year and he was crying right from right just from the open, right? It's He can't not be there, right? Uh, Hubie, a reason to live is what you're saying. Yeah, a reason yeah. to carry on beyond just your family. Right. It's a goal that you set. Right. Um, in battling illness with that. But I, I, I'm just making, I'm drawing the parallel that Jim Nance okay. is saying, I'm, I'm backing down on the okay. schedule, et cetera, in his early 60s, and then some of the others. But Hubie's right. only going to do a game a week, right? Dick Vitale well, will probably do a couple of games a week we'll at the most. So yeah. I, I will say too, with Hubie, there's no way that Hubie doesn't stay sharp doing this. I mean, Hubie's brain is so, you know, tied into the game. Uh, he's, I mean, he's probably the sharpest analyst that they've got in terms of X's and O's and knowing the game. And, you know, you got to keep your, your, your cognitive stuff sharp at, of course, not, you got to keep your cognitive stuff sharp at 39, much less 89. Right? <laughs> Tell know? me about it. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think it, for them, it's different because, you know, for Jim Nance, it is just a job for a play-by-play -play voice. It's just a job. They parachute in. It's a skill for an analyst. It's a passion, right? For the best analysts, they are tied to that specific game and they have devoted their life to that specific game. So I do think it is a little bit different. Well said on all of that. You did make reference there during your comments to World Series, Joe Buck, and obviously now Fox gets ready to take over uh, for the World Series without Joe Buck. So that's the first time that Joe Buck 
has not been involved. I remember you told me early 2000s, right? So it had been some 22, 23 uh, in a row, something yeah. like that. Last one he didn't do was 99. NBC had the rights. Costas did it. So Costas did 97 and 99. Other than that, Buck's done every World Series dating back to 96. So now Joe Davis will do this uh, with John Smoltz, caught some of them. Uh, obviously on the, on the league championship series with the Phillies. So it's the Phillies and the Houston Astros. The schedule lays out as Friday, Saturday with taking Sunday as the off day, those games in Houston and then games three through five, if necessary for a game five would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Philadelphia. John, what are your thoughts on all of this, including maybe a little ratings expectation? Yeah. What do you think? Well, you know, what an, uh, what an atrocious LCS, at least the ALCS, was uh, so boring. Uh, the NL was pretty exciting. Um, but, you know, uh, look, the reality is it's going to need to be a series. Houston is undefeated. Now, you know, the pot, the uh, Phillies have only lost the one game so far, I believe, in this postseason. So, um, or let me see, who did they even play in the first I round? Believe, I believe they lost one of the games to St. Louis. They obviously had oh, to win they all. Lost, no, they won. Win. They they swept St. Louis and lost one to Atlanta and then lost, lost one to one Atlanta. To okay. Diego. Fair enough. So they've lost two going into the world series. And, you know, look, if the Astros, there's a part of me that thinks it would be good for the Astros to sweep through, not for this year, but just for the story of it, for the dominance, you know, this is a team that's been so tainted from the, uh, the, the whole cheating scandal and then losing two out of three world series, I think it would be good going forward for them to sweep through a postseason and be one of the all-time great. Can teams. I tell you, there's almost no chance that's going to happen. Philadelphia's just too hot with the bats. I mean, they, Houston may end up winning, but I, I just don't see a sweep. Now, uh, again, I, I I will say that anything can happen. Houston's obviously got you know talent, pitching, etc. I would be stunned if Philadelphia doesn't even get one of these first two games in Houston oh, with the okay. way they went in and got games in st louis and in atlanta right away it would be it would be shocking it would be shocking if we're talking about in philadelphia next week it's already two nothing or three nothing in this series to me that's just my take okay you know i mean the, Philly, the phillies have been very hot uh so if that's the case that'll be great for baseball if it's a long series it will do well well in the post-covid era is different than the pre-covid era but you know it's really the difference between outdoing last year's World Series and maybe getting back close to averaging a seven, averaging 11 million. Well, I think last year's average around 11 million, you know, something something where you can get a little bit closer to what that norm used to be. If it's a long series, if it's a short series and you're talking Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, no Sunday game with the NFL lead in, it's not going to do well. So it depends on the length of the series. Explain again to the audience the strategy of a Friday night beginning, because this is not something brand new. Explain what they're doing here with Fox and the scheduling. Well, it is kind of brand new, actually, because it's the first time since 90, the previous lockout year, that the World Series is starting on a Friday. And the reason that this is happening is the lockout, and they had to put th uh, push things back. And uh, look, uh, Friday start is not as bad as it used to be in the era of out of home. So you might get a pretty nice looking Friday night number for game one. Uh, and uh, Saturday is going to be tough because it's Saturday night, even in the era of out of home that you're still going to take a hit, but it's not as bad as it used to be. So the Friday and Saturday start is not as big a problem as it would have been, you know, four or five years ago. The lack of a Sunday game is a problem because even though you're going up against the NFL, you're getting that NFL lead in. 
right? Fox, I believe, has the doubleheader this week. I think it's a pretty good game too, isn't it? Fox had the doubleheader last weekend. I do know that because they had Kansas City. I believe that's the case. They had Kansas City and San Francisco, but maybe I'm wrong about that. And they have the doubleheader again this week too. And it's actually not a good game. It's 49ers Rams, but uh, that is an NFC title game rematch. So it, it was intended to be a really strong matchup to lead into that World Series uh, game. So they're not going to have that lead in unless there's rain or something like that. And and that'll be a problem. You know, uh, people talk all the time. Oh, my goodness. The World Series is losing to the NFL. Well, and by the way, and I know what you mean, but there's not going to be a rain factor because Houston's an indoor right, stadium for Friday right. and Saturday. Could be a rain factor for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday yeah. if it comes about. And by the way, I still have not overcome the Phillies beating my Tampa Bay Rays in 2008 with Joe Madden and, and company, Carl Crawford and, and the Rays. And there were rain problems in the Philadelphia oh, yeah. games in that series. So just be aware in October, the weather not tremendous all the time, especially in the Northeast, cold, rain. It could be a factor in Philadelphia uh, yeah, next week. Absolutely. So, so interesting, they're not playing Sunday for the Sunday night game, but they would play Monday against the Monday night football game and then have the Tuesday, Wednesday, they're kind of to themselves before there's another NFL game on Thursday. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because there is rain in the forecast for Monday. So far, all of the Monday night uh, postseason games have been rained out. The ones that were supposed to go up against Monday night football Uh, Two, uh, the Yankees were supposed to play. Well, it wasn't rained out, but the Yankees were supposed to play last night. They got swept. Then the previous week, they were supposed to play the game five, and that got rained out. And uh, so Monday Night Football has avoided the baseball playoffs twice and could avoid it again if there's rain in Philly on Monday. But, you know, if you go up against the NFL, it's bad. If you go up against the NFL with an NFL lead-in, it's not that bad. And that's the key. So not having that NFL lead-in will probably hurt the ratings. Uh, And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, the reality is one year of ratings was never a killer for anybody. It was always a long-term trend. And especially now, after what we saw in 2020 and 21, it's hard to care a lot about the ratings results from one series or one postseason or even one full season. It just, I mean, when you see the numbers that Fox is getting for, you know, welcome to flat it's just it's hard to <laughs> it's it's hard to be overwhelmingly concerned about uh the ratings as anything other than a curiosity i mean if you look at the ratings you go wow these ratings are terrible it's not it doesn't make you a bad person for you know doing that but it just it it doesn't really matter anymore especially after the past two years and so uh, just real quick to go over it, the Sunday night NFL game, uh, which again, won't have a head-to-head matchup from the World Series, is Green Bay at Buffalo on NBC. The Monday night game is Cincinnati and Cleveland, which again, is not a big national draw. Yes, yeah. the Bengals were good um, last year. And then I'm looking ahead if it factors for next Thursday night as we release this podcast this week that's philadelphia at houston and interesting because the game would be simultaneous to a potential game five help me with my schedule if it's wrong or they're taking thursday off again it's that would be an off day an off day because that would be the houston texans playing a football game maybe on the night that the houston astros would be playing a baseball world series game and against philadelphia in both and again wow how about that and against philly if it's still going so wait a minute if this continues just talking off the top of our heads into a sixth game 
you're going to have Philly Houston on my TV all week, depending if I have Amazon prime, because the Philadelphia Houston game is the Thursday night NFL game in Houston. And they potentially would be playing game six Friday night. Correct. Of Phillies at Houston Astros, man, if it comes to it, just looking uh, at the schedule and give them the reference point. My Rays were in the 2020 world series with the Dodgers and it escapes me here uh, off the top of my head, the 2021 World Series. How were they rated the last two years just as a reference point? John? Two lowest, uh, two least watched World Series of all time, which, again, you know, when you look at the NBA Finals numbers from the same year, uh, actually did better than the NBA Finals both years. Not in the young demos, obviously, but uh, in, uh, in, in, in the overall numbers. I mean, look, the numbers are what they are from the past few years. It's it is what it is. You know, um, the past, you know, 20 and 21 are kind of two years that you just kind of look back on and you just got to shrug and hope that things continue to normalize as much as, you know, things have been normal in this uh, wonderful century we've lived Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. In this decade. Uh, Again, it was a COVID-19 crazy year with the Dodgers and the Rays, and then last year, the uh, Braves defeating the Astros, just what did that do as a reference point on average, just out of curiosity? Um, that was somewhere in the 11 million range, I think, before the revised numbers. I'd actually gotten some revised numbers for that World Series, but I'm not 100% sure if that is uh, factoring in Nielsen's undercount of out of home. So it would have been around 11 million, somewhere around there. And we're curious, will Philadelphia with kind of the Northeast love hate factor, New York yeah. hates Philadelphia as a market. Will New York people tune in because it's the Phillies to root against the Phillies. It seems like almost everybody hates the Astros for what happened uh, yeah. before. So we'll see, we'll see if it's the same or better. Maybe, it be, maybe it will be a little better. I know baseball is hoping so. And again, it's a November finish to the world yeah. series, no matter what. And last year was 11.9 million for the World Series, which may or may not account for Nielsen's undercount of out of home. Fair enough. As we continue here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast, we are going to play some love it or leave it with a few more topics. We haven't talked a lot of college or NFL football. Anything remarkable off of the weekend? We mentioned that Kansas City-San Francisco game. Uh, certainly saw the Chiefs roar past them in the second half, but that had the number one crew on it of Kevin Burkhart and uh, and Greg Olson doing the game on Sunday. The Sunday night game saw the Dolphins hang on and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the Monday night game had two big markets with Chicago surprising New England. We don't have those numbers as we release the podcast. But anything off the football weekend, including the primetime games uh, in college, et cetera, that's of remark of, of note at all, uh-huh. John, or? Not much. It's a very, very low key week. Uh, you know, not particularly great numbers. Uh, the Fox late game had an 11.6 rating and 22.3 million viewers. Not bad, but nothing, you know, great. And then none of the other games got to even a nine rating or 16 million. You know, I mean, it was a bad schedule this week, putting the Steelers on in prime time. You know, the NFL has this thing. They have these franchises, the Steelers and the Bears and, you know, even the Patriots. And it's like, you know, these teams are not interesting anymore. And just because they were great once, why right. put them in prime time? Now, of course, you say that and you look at the NBA with the Lakers, but it is different because even though the Lakers are no good, they've got some of the biggest stars in the game. Steelers don't have any stars, mm. as far as I know. Good point with the NBA uh, starting up. By the way, we will have another international game uh, this week with Jacksonville playing Denver. Denver without Russell Wilson struggling badly is in another standalone game here. 
against a Jacksonville team that is improved under Doug Peterson. They're playing more competitively. They've won a couple of games. Do we just, I mean, we know automatically the NFL will have a few million watching, but this is 9.30 Eastern time. This is 7.30 in the morning local time in Denver for the home fans in that market. No Russell Wilson. Yeah. That may be, and it's a, it's a network, uh, an NFL network ESPN exclusive. Plus. ESPN plus it's an ESPN plus exclusive. So yeah, we won't necessarily get ratings for that, but yeah, they may be in for a real struggle. On, well, uh, I on mean, that for audience, yes, I the just, hardcore NFL fantasy football fan gambler may be watching, but I don't know who else is clocking in necessarily for Jacksonville yeah. and Denver without Russell Wilson coming Sunday. I just hope uh, Levy Riddick and uh, Orlovsky and uh, Rutledge enjoy London it's the only reason to go. Well, right. It's an assignment for them. And I will be in Germany with the Buccaneers and the Seahawks coming in November, which if the Buccaneers come around, if let's hope again, as you hear us release the podcast, I'm in the, I'm in the preview mode that the Bucks can turn it around with a win over the Ravens. If they turn it around, Seattle has been uh, a surprise with how well they played. That may, that may become a better game Sunday morning, uh, November uh, what, 12th in Germany, that may become a better game. If that's yeah. the case, this week you get Jacksonville-Denver. Have fun well, with that match. The NFL gave ESPN Plus Jacksonville-Denver and kept Brady and Seattle for itself, right? That's the way it goes. <laughs> Fascinating how that part works. Yeah. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Um, all right, let's uh let's get into it. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Let's begin with ESPN speaking of them and Formula One. They are yeah. loving some Formula One with a new deal. John, tell us more. Hear about it. Yeah, well, this was reported uh earlier in the year. It's now official uh that ESPN has renewed with F1 and uh will continue to air the races. We'll air more races on regular ESPN and on ABC. So you know, I mean, F1 has been a big trend. Uh, we'll see. Is, is it a fad or is this for real? You know, NASCAR was kind of a fad there for a little bit in the mid 2000s and then kind of fell off of that. And so, you know, it, it, it makes a difference whether or not that burst of enthusiasm is real or, you know, just a trend. And we'll see. Uh, certainly, though, F1, a, a significantly stronger property than it was before ESPN got the rights. And they have added more races in the United States. That's also yeah, factoring into the deal. They did They did one in Miami. And I want to say, have they done the one yet in Las Vegas no, that was going to be the be night race? So and it's going to be a Saturday year. night race, too. Interesting. You wonder if it's going to be on ABC, if they would. I mean, because remember, they, they pushed an NBA playoff game out of its normal ABC window. So ABC could air the uh the miami gp you wonder if they would push a saturday night football game 
which, you know, college football is bigger than the NBA. We know that. But that Saturday night football window on ABC in a given week at, you know, in a good week is about the same as one of those Sunday afternoon, early round NBA playoff games. So from a ratings perspective, it would be about the same move, right? You're not necessarily preempting Alabama versus, you know, Auburn or whatever. So I, and and remember next year, ESPN and ABC, they've got nothing in terms of college football. They don't have the SEC yet in terms of the main uh, property and they lose the big 10. So I would be very curious to see if ABC ears at least the inaugural uh, Las Vegas race on that Saturday night next year. Great but point F1, that you make. Yeah, F1's a, a big deal now. You know, we'll see how long it lasts. And it's it's fascinating because it has long had an audience that is used to watching it at odd times in yeah. the middle of the night or early in the morning U.S. time because a lot of times they're racing not only in Europe, but they're racing in Japan or they're racing in Australia or even in South America. And the race comes on at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock in your time zone on a Sunday morning. So the F1 fan has had to search for it for a while, for decades, uh, to be able to find coverage and and find the races. And you mentioned about NASCAR. I, I Full disclosure here, just while we segue off of this, I, I was much more into their playoffs, their postseason. They've done self-inflicted damage and diluted it. They don't have the same personalities. I didn't even know I was asking you, do they have two weeks left or three weeks left? Yeah. NASCAR, as we release this podcast, two playoff races left, correct? Yeah. Coming up. I believe so. I believe so. And, you know, look, NASCAR... Basically, NASCAR had a few, a couple of good years because its ratings held steady while everybody else was plummeting, right? And and so NASCAR had a couple of good years for that reason. But realistically, what we've seen so far in the playoff this year has not been encouraging as far as the ratings go. The numbers have not, you know, the numbers have been down steadily. Last uh, week before this past week at Vegas, they actually had a a new viewership high for that Vegas race, but it's only about five years old and all the previous editions aired on NBCSN. This year's was on NBC. So there's a caveat there, but for the most part, all down. They do have two races remaining. They race in Martinsville this coming Sunday and the finale in Phoenix is Sunday, November 6th. Uh, to end am, it up. Yeah, I am curious that whole thing with Bubba Wallace and I think it was Joey Logano that he was going after. Who was he going after? I think after? it was Kyle Larson was the driver oh, right. that he went okay. after. It was Larson, right. yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised that NASCAR didn't make more hay out of that in terms of promotion. It seems like people were more upset about it, but I mean, I kind of thought, isn't, uh, isn't that the whole appeal? Isn't that, the whole appeal? That has always been something that draws fans drivers taking matters into their own hands wrecking another driver they're mad at pushing shoving punches even being thrown i mean uh speaking of the most memorable or the iconic images of um i'm trying to remember i think it was donnie allison and kale yarborough in the late 70s john on the daytona 500 where they had a big fist fight after a wreck late in the Daytona 500, the biggest race, and it was everywhere. NASCAR suddenly became a national sport because CBS was showing these guys fighting and the photo was on the front page of the New York Times and other papers of those two guys throwing fists at a, at a NASCAR race. And you move forward to Dale Earnhardt confronting people with shoves and fists. You move, you move forward to other drivers like Tony Stewart that would lose their temper and go after people. I mean, it's been Tony's part, been part of the sport. I was going to say Tony Stewart, you know, wasn't in NASCAR, but remember he 
inadvertently killed somebody as well. So, I mean, I was I was surprised because, you know, obviously not including that Tony Stewart incident, for the most part, all of these things have been things that NASCAR has played up. Clint Boyer, I believe, was it Clint Boyer chasing down Jeff Gordon years ago? <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Might I have mean, been. So I was surprised that that was not they something. They had an incident. I do know this. I don't know all the particulars. They had an incident involving Denny Hamlin, the former series champion, doing the same thing. And they, and they almost came to blows. So it, it has happened in the recent history, including this year in NASCAR. And it is something that to your point, they a lot of times love to fuel and play up rivalries with drivers that even get physical right. because exactly. of what's happening. I mean, look, I, I'm not a big on the fighting generally. I just think that, you know, I mean, you got to do something because uh, there, there, there does not appear to be any momentum at all for uh, this postseason in NASCAR. And uh, they're getting close to a new TV deal. And, you know, ratings don't typically matter all that much, but you know, anemic ratings over a prolonged period of time without a lot going for them, right? Because right now you can get pretty much the exact same young viewer audience for F1 in the middle of the morning for far less money than for NASCAR for a lot more money in the middle of the afternoon. So I don't know where NASCAR is heading right now. Uh, I'm sure they'll stay on linear TV because they still are the top non-football event of a given weekend in the fall. That's a big deal. But, you know, I don't, they don't have much momentum right now. All right, let's continue. Love it or leave it. Next subject is one where, as we release the podcast, it has a another update that Brittany Griner, the former uh, WNBA star who's been uh, incarcerated in a Russian prison uh, for much, if not all, of this calendar year, had another appeal uh, denied on her sentence uh, as this drama continues to play out on the world political stage, essentially on uh, whether or not she's going to gain freedom, is there going to be a trade involving the United States and Russians uh, for uh, a, a Russian prisoner? So, John, what are your thoughts uh, here on this real quick on the podcast as the WNBA season is concluded? But this is back in the news. It's back in media coverage as well. Well, you know, I mean, it's a it's a tragedy, right? You know, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about somebody who is being used as a pawn. And we all know this is BS. Uh, I don't think anybody who could, you know, I mean, I still don't really even believe that he brought canisters for marijuana in to the, to begin with. I, I really don't. I think those were probably planted on her and she admitted to it because when you're dealing with, you know, a rogue state, you tend to uh, do whatever it is that you can to get out of your situation. Um, hopefully they can get her out of there because otherwise this is a, I mean, it's a tragedy. You know, there's people who are like, oh, well, she said she didn't want the national anthem to be played before games. And I'm like, well, I guess that being against a national anthem is somehow justifying a nine-year prison sentence in a Russian gulag. Are you out of your mind? It's a lot of weirdos, man, out there. And look, the reality is it's just really unfortunate. You think about all the nonsense she's had to put up with throughout her whole life, people mocking her because she's tall and has a deep voice and questioning her gender and all the all the unpleasantries she's had to deal with. And then finally, you know, breaking through, you know, having a career, having a life, getting married. She obviously, we all know, had the uh, the unfortunate relationship she had with Glory Johnson, another WNBA player in the domestic violence incident there. And people bring that up as well. And I'm like, you know, look, man, people should not be judged for the rest of their lives for mistakes that they make. You know, that's my perspective anyway. 
And yeah, you know, certainly the one again, thing, the couple things I would add, there are varying levels to this. If you're talking about trying to bring something into a country with, with residue of a drug on it, that's different than a domestic violence thing. I know you're not saying right. that there's different levels to what it is or to the charges. Now it is interesting and we should continue to, to repeat the name. There's another American by the name of Paul yes. Whalen yeah. who has been held since 2018. Yeah. He was actually held for over a year and a half before they had his trial they they convicted him of espionage and gave him a 16-year sentence. He has mm -hmm. vehemently denied that he is a spy or part of the CIA. He has been locked up for four years, not yeah. just this year. And yeah. we need to remember that name uh, where nothing has happened with him either in this yeah. situation. And, you know, it's great that you brought him up because Brittany, her situation is so terrible. And she has people in this country who are rooting against her. But as I've mentioned before, she's also a celebrity. She's a worldwide celebrity. And as horrible as her situation is, it has helped her at least a little bit because Paul Whelan, like you said, has been there for multiple years. Trevor Reed was there for multiple years. There's people getting kidnapped. So many rogue states now. You know, When I was growing up in the 1990s, I thought war was done. I thought we had nothing to worry about. You know, I'm actually too young to have experienced Desert Storm. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was, I grew up assuming we were done with war. I thought we were done with war and civil rights. I was like, wow, I was really lucky to be born when I was, right? Uh, and it turns out we actually, you know, I mean, I, it almost makes you nostalgic for the era where all you had to worry about were 20 terrorists in a cave, you know, I mean, that's so much easier to deal with than actual rogue states. You think about like Russia being a nuclear armed mega power and China and, you know, even Iran. I mean, my God, that axis of evil, if you remember what Bush was talking about, I mean, right. it's so much bigger and more, more concerning now than it was even in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. But, uh, you know, and it's just what, what really happened here was that we allowed ourselves to operate under the insane idea that Russia was somehow an ally in good standing on the world stage for far longer than we ever should have. And as a result, we had Americans going there as if it was a safe country to be in for years and years and years. But this piece of garbage that runs that show over there blew a plane out of the sky like a decade ago, annexed Crimea, did all sorts of horrible things. And for whatever and for whatever reason, we were like, hey, you know, this guy, he's one of us. Let's give him an Olympics and a World Cup. Oh, my goodness. Or and, let's, you know, let's visit and hand him a Super Bowl ring that he kept, by yeah. the way, from Bob Kraft of the New England Patriots. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, yeah, there's a lot of political parts of this. Uh, and again, Brittany Griner at an advantage because she's got a professional sports league behind her yeah. and infrastructure in terms of the media behind her. But I I'm just going to continue to repeat while we say her name and her situation, the right. name Paul Whelan or Whelan, however you say it. Uh, needs to be mentioned as well. Yeah. He's been there four years longer in a Russian prison with his yeah. family uh, beside themselves, basically, yeah. that they've not been able to work out getting him out of that situation. So, and I, you know, I would just say that the amount of failure politically in this country in dealing with Putin is just spectacular. I and mean, you can, every single president 
uh, Trump obviously was so just embarrassing. I mean, Putin ran circles around Trump and Trump is just still doesn't even recognize that what was going on. Obama certainly, you know, I remember Mitt Romney mentioning Russia in that debate and everyone was mocking him. Well, yeah, there you go. And of course, uh, what was it that uh, George Bush said? Oh, I looked into his eyes and I saw he's a good guy, man, get out of here. Everybody failed. You know, ultimately, the entire post-Cold War uh, stance toward Russia was a strategic mistake. But I actually really don't even know. <laughs> I, I talk about sports for a living. But based on what I we, based on what I've heard, it seems like we really screwed up that whole post-war. But you make, you make a great War. point that they hosted an Olympics during yeah. all of this. That's the IOC uh, giving them that. And... On the world stage, they have they have been in and around uh, all of this, um, at least. And, in you know, yeah, the 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 amorality of the IOC and FIFA. Come on. I mean, you know, that's just so obvious. Right. I mean, Russia and China, you know, and Qatar. I mean, and at a certain point, we have to concede that these sporting events are not, you know, the whole the whole thing about politics and sports. Right. Sports is so important in creating propaganda, right? It's a huge part of the propaganda creation process. That's why the Russians wanted an Olympics and a World Cup. That's why the Chinese wanted two Olympics. That's why Qatar wants or is going to be having the World Cup because these events are used to build up a nation's sense of itself and a nation's reputation on the world stage. And so the IOC and FIFA... I think they have some culpability, not necessarily major culpability, but around the edges uh, for the circumstance that we're seeing now. Well, certainly they've had corruption that's documented and known and moving these things around to profit themselves and being paid off to do so. So that's not in dispute from FIFA and or from the IOC with the reform they have. All right, let's liven it up a little more here towards the end. One more. Love it or leave it. The Live Golf Series, the inaugural one, is culminating in Miami in the United States. They have played kind of off the map, off the radar in um, Thailand and in Saudi Arabia on the previous two events. Now, Brooks Kepka did win the previous playoff. Uh, he won a sudden death playoff in Saudi Arabia. So now they have set up the final event this weekend. This is interesting just from the standpoint of tremendous money in, in the two-man team competition. There will be 16 two-man teams that will play. Speaking of Donald Trump at his Trump Doral South Florida course here to finish this winning team to split $16 million. John, it is the, it is the largest team purse ever for something like this. And then uh, the second place team, much the same way as we, uh, as a two man team, uh, thrive on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast to receive $8 million, John, the third place team to receive $4 million, uh, in this. So it is tremendous money. Uh, to my understanding, there is not a broadcast outlet. Again, it is going to be the live golf, uh, YouTube channel that will televise this. Those that are golf fans and hardcore that care, will have to find it that way. I know you're not big on this, but it's the end of the first one, the first one that they've tried here. Yeah. They're still trying to get a broadcast deal of some kind for 2023 that hasn't happened. It finishes up here. Any final thought as they wrap up with the PGA Tour still fighting them on every front, including suing them now. The PGA Tour now suing uh, the Saudi um, fund that is funding this and, and suing the Live Golf Series for interfering with their golfers, interfering with their contracted golfers. So the litigation continues, but any thought on any of this as they wrap up here coming up? 
Well, you know, if you're going to be uh, spreading all that money around, why don't you pay some viewers, you know, pay me to watch, uh, <laughs> give me a, uh, you know, six figures. I'll sit down and. Uh, Does it surprise you that they did not score with somebody? We talked about it earlier in the summer, did not score with somebody to at least show this finale uh, this weekend and do some kind of deal to get it on TV or stream somewhere besides their own YouTube. A little bit, you know, because the whole idea is that it's been a reputation thing. But we know that, you know, Murdoch doesn't care about that. I mean, we, 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 we all see the ads that Murdoch is allowing to run uh, or, 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 you know, getting compensated for. They're running during the baseball playoffs. Murdoch doesn't care what people think. So I'm surprised that Fox did not get involved because not even Fox Sports 1. I still think Fox Business would have been a perfect fit. Because nobody's watching Fox Business, right? And I'm not trying to take cheap shots. Nobody's watching CNBC either. Uh, you know, I mean, well, that's not really true. They, they, they're all on the weekend. Right. Your point on the weekend yeah. where the financial exactly. markets are closed, who's watching those channels? Right. And that's why you see infomercials, replays of Shark Tank, whatever yeah. they can find and grab. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Because I was going to say, it is, of course, the case that FB, uh, Fox Business Channel and CNBC are targeting a very specific audience. So even though the numbers are terrible, they're good for what they're looking for. Right. Except, of course, for like Shep Smith, who probably shouldn't have gone to CNBC. But I digress. Uh, so, you know, I thought Fox Business would have been perfect. I think. You know, like you said, the weekends are open uh, and demographically you're going not just to the golf audience, but to the specific part of the golf audience that is totally cool with the Saudis and Trump. So that's pretty much the Fox business audience. Right. So that to me would be the perfect circumstance. You're not going to get great ratings to the live golf tour. You're not the live golf tour. Can't just start out of nothing and then build up the relevance of the PGA tour and tradition. You're just not going to do it. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. I mean, nobody, nobody cares about the money when you're watching sports. I don't begrudge any athlete, their ability to make money. When I'm watching the NBA, it's not like, wow, LeBron just made all this money. Wow. Nobody watches sports for that reason. And so, you know, good for Dustin Johnson or whoever, but I could care less that he's making that kind of cash. Uh, and so people are watching for the tradition, for the lie that all this stuff matters and that it all connects to things that happened decades ago, right? Because of course it doesn't. You know, I, I mentioned Darren Tarver's book, The Iron Team, before, but it is worth noting there is actually no real connection between Babe Ruth and Aaron Judge. They never played together. Babe Ruth never conceived of Aaron Judge. He has no concept of Aaron Judge because he died in 1943, right? You know, they never played together. They just share the same laundry. But it's the lore of having played, right, for the exactly. Yankees. Now, the only difference with golf is Augusta National Golf Club has been modified through decades, but it's the same golf club. So when you're right. seeing the Masters, you're seeing the same uh, grounds, if not the exact same course, that Jack Nicklaus played, moving back, Arnold Palmer played, moving back, Byron Nelson, Sam Snead, moving back, Bobby Jones, the legendary founder of, of Augusta. So there is some connection with that. Clearly, the live golf situation is not that. It's not a traditional exactly. course. It's not a traditional thing. But I understand. And they're never going to argue the golf history of it. Yes. And they're never getting to Augusta National, you know, so that's going to be well, right. They're not going to play at Augusta National, but that's going to be a very fascinating yeah. battle before next April when you've got Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed and Phil Mickelson and Charles Schwartz. I'm going to leave somebody out. Sergio Garcia. I believe they have six former masters champions that are currently bubble Watson's another one that are from formerly masters champions that are now on that series. And what is Augusta going to do 
especially if they're trying to tell all of those guys you can't play after we told yeah. you before that you could play forever if you won this tournament. So well, why would Augusta, see that battle. I mean, why would Augusta really care that much about this, though? I mean, uh, I don't even know. Like, I know Hootie, Hootie, Hootie Johnson passed. I'm Correct. not sure Martha Burke is alive still. I'm not Correct. sure. Yes. But did, did they ever even resolve that? I know women are playing there now, but like. Well, the resolution was that Augusta National ignored Martha Burke, and then eventually when her protest didn't have any legs, the media ignored, Mar uh, ignored Martha Burke, and Martha Burke went away, and the yeah. tournament continued. Yeah, uh, And I mean, then so they eventually, uh, and I, I firmly believe, and look, I, I, I may come off the wrong way by saying this, but I'm a believer in what I'm about to tell you from this standpoint, I'm a married man. I have twin daughters. I want them to succeed. I am all for the advancement of women. John, I've worked for women bosses. I have no problem with women in authority, whether it's politics, business, or whatever. But a golf club in that instance saying, we have the right to determine when and how we do what with women is protected under the Constitution. It's their own private thing. It's not something that they get federal money for. It's not employment. The Masters now we're talking about, or Augusta National, it's not education. And I really believed, I was saying it at the time, 20 plus years ago, they were probably on the track to have women members and other things. And what Martha Burke was trying to do to get publicity for herself, her own organization and whatever, set that back and set it back maybe by as much as five years, maybe longer. Augusta National now in recent times over the last decade or so has admitted female members. They allow females to come play and be around the course, et cetera. It changed. But on the question of how did that all resolve, that's exactly how it resolved. They waited it out. She didn't have much backing. The media stopped talking about it. She lost. She lost on what she she was trying to threaten the economic foundation by saying, go bo boycott all of their sponsors and she got and checkmated the, when Augusta National said, we don't have to have sponsors. We will right. run the tournament on TV yeah. without sponsors, commercial free. We will sustain indefinitely just on the donations we have and the merchandise we sell. So that's, I'm just answering you a long-winded right. answer. That's how it resolved, ultimately. All right, but the reason I bring it up is just simply, you know, the Masters, ultimately, they don't, like like you said, they don't particularly care. So I, I don't I don't know why they would care. Why about they the wouldn't let the guys in or why they would well, Why they would even them. care one way or the other. Uh, you know, to me, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect the Masters to take a stand. Uh, it would be surprising to me. So, But the you know, interesting dynamic will be, because that's the first major, is that you will now be around Rory McIlroy you will now be around Tiger Woods you will now be around these outspoken guys some of them that have won at Augusta and be around them when the PGA Tour has basically said you're banned you can't be around but at Augusta they can be there and at the other major championships they theoretically can be there yeah I mean you'll see I mean look ultimately it's all just golf you know for a huge portion of the population they don't know the difference between the live and the PGA and right you know, for a lot for a lot of the sports fans out there, they don't know. That's the correct. They don't understand so, what the big fuss is about. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. So anyway, they'll play that out. It will conclude this weekend. Lots of money on the line, but no broadcast deal. One more and then we're gone. Love it or leave it. It is Halloween upcoming. You've shared this a couple of different times. Do yeah. you have love it or leave it? You have the Halloween candy or not as of yet? No, no, I haven't no? gotten any. No. Right, but you had trick-or-treaters previous post-COVID yeah. year 2021 yeah. you did have trick-or-treaters I did. So what are you going to sit in the palatial Lewis Palace with the lights off when it comes time for uh, trick-or-treating 
I don't know. What's going to happen? I'm still weighing whether or not I'm going to leave candy out there or what. I mean, I don't want to. Maybe pieces of fruit. Romaine lettuce, you know. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to deal with trick or treaters. I, I don't want to deal with people coming to my doorstep. I've turned into uh, Larry David, you know. Or we or uh, we we were not home a year ago. I think I was gone. Uh, Buccaneer game something, and so my wife did end up leaving the candy bowl outside, which I have to check again. I think this may be the case because we want some of the trick or treaters to get something, and then you'd right. go with the honor system, John, of take one or two, please, and then kid, right. you find out kids are ending up taking of handfuls. Course. But you know, I've got the the door the doorbell camera, so ah, yeah, you but monitor from inside. I yeah, see. Maybe I'll leave some blank checks out for them. Yeah, that's <laughs> better than candy, right? But the other thing is, they don't know what those are. The kids today don't know what a check is. They, I mean, that's they true. don't. I'm just being that's serious true. with you. They, there are things they don't know. A newspaper, they don't know what that is. They don't. I was joking with somebody about this a couple of days ago. They don't know what a television with a knob on it is or ever was to have to get up yeah. and physically go turn the knob on the TV. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And a check wow. and getting paid by check. What is that? What even yeah, is that? True. What is a checkbook? And the yes. days where you had to balance your checkbook and keep track yeah. of the math on how much money you had in your account because there wasn't a computer or an app to tell yeah. you exactly. how much money was in your account. Yeah. That, that, those days are dead on that anyway though halloween everybody public service announcement be careful because there's a lot of different places now where they're going back to full scale in neighborhoods and elsewhere trick-or-treaters around everybody be safe especially with the little ones around be careful take extra time i'm done on the public service announcement anything else john in closing before we're done here um you know not really i think we've covered pretty much everything there is to cover right uh you know just uh, hopefully we can get Brittany griner out of russia although i will say we are very limited in in what we can do i think that's been one of the great mistakes people have treated this like it's a crisis of will as if we're not dealing with you know one of our gravest enemies right now in the world uh it doesn't matter how bad i mean because yeah i i do feel like look you know, if you want to criticize the Biden administration, you're starting to have a lot of comp- company on that front. But I- I've always thought it was just really unfair to criticize the Biden administration in this situation because it's uh, pretty impossible to to figure out. I mean, it's it, it's basically all up to what the Russians want to do. And like any bully, they're enjoying toying with us and stringing us along. So it's uh, pretty difficult to to figure out how to resolve it. And again, I will once more say, when we say the name Brittany Griner, say the name Paul Whelan, who's been there longer than her. Yes, for very three, true. Three very plus true. years longer. So yeah. we'll see if that does get resolved. In any event, uh, John, have a great week. We appreciate it. Thank you for the time here. Yeah, thank you. And there's John Lewis. Again, read him on sportsmediawatch.com. Love the social media. Follow, too, with all the very latest. Again, George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know has Lisa Byington, play-by-play announcer of the Milwaukee Bucks and nationally for Turner and CBS, etc. She will be the guest uh, midweek here. Uh, Mike Gill, Philadelphia-based in and around Atlantic City and Philly with the Phillies in the World Series. Mike and Phil DeMont Mullen with the Announcer Schedules podcast. Later in the week, you get all of those on this podcast feed, on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast feed. And uh, for now, we are good. Enjoy all of it, all the coverage, all the football, all the World Series, everything else that's happening. We'll be back soon with another edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast.